Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. record of Mark. Look with me, if you don't mind, in the gospel record of Mark and chapter number one. The gospel record of Mark and chapter number one. We are continuing with our series of the gospel record of Mark, and we're still in chapter one. We've already been introduced to the beginning of the gospel and showing that it's John the Baptist and that here we see the beginning of the gospel is marked with the forerunner to make the way straight, to run, to make it as easy as possible to get people to Jesus. And then on Sunday night, we spoke about the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he did it as an example to show his obedience unto God and that he was the perfect servant. As we pick this up, as we see him beginning his earthly ministry, we now see as he starts to recruit some of the disciples. And so if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Mark, chapter number 1. The Gospel record of Mark, chapter 1, and notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 14. The Gospel record of Mark, chapter 1, and verse number 14, the Word of God says this. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants, and went after him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Mark, chapter number 1. The gospel record of Mark in chapter number 1, and notice with me in verse 18. The gospel record of Mark, chapter 1 and verse 18, and notice the phrase, followed him followed him. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God, a God who's worthy to be worshipped and worthy to be served. And Lord, as we come to you now, I'm asking that you would work in our lives, that you would do something amazing now as we make a decision to follow after you, as we see the calling of these disciples and as they forsook all to follow after you. Let us see what it is about following after Christ and to see what you desire to do within our lives that we can let you be the leader, the God, the Christ to follow after. Help us now. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
As we approach this passage here, there are a couple things I want to point out to you. The very first thing I'd like to point out to you is the fulfilling. The fulfilling. Notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse 14. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, as Jesus began his earthly ministry, he picked up where John the Baptist left off. It was the same exact message. What was the message? Repent! Repent! That means to turn away from your ways and turn to the gospel. Repent carries the idea to have a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. That's the message that John the Baptist had. He said, look, the way that you are going is not the right way. You need to go to Jesus. You need to go to Jesus. Jesus had the same message. Repent! Change your mind about the things that you're doing. Change the mind about who you are. That you're a sinner. And your only hope is Jesus Christ. Repent! Repent! Believe the gospel. Notice, if you don't mind, as we see exactly where he's going at. Now, after that John was put into prison, Jesus came into Galilee. Now, Galilee was not a strictly Jewish settlement. In fact, it was very much a cosmopolitan area. In Galilee, you had Romans, you had Greeks, you had Jews, you had a mithra, a plethora of other countries. Some have estimated that at any time in that Galilee area, there was about 40 different languages that were spoken. This was very much um, a place a thoroughfare that was uh, in the middle of three continents. You had going up to the north and to the west. You would go into Europe. Going straight north and to the east. You would have all of Asia. Going to the south would be Egypt and the rest of Africa. And in the midst of it all was Galilee. This was a thoroughfare. Think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was located in the wilderness. People traveled miles and miles to go hear John the Baptist. But Jesus didn't wait for the people to come to him. He went to the people. He went to where people were at. John expected the people to come to him. Jesus went out to where the people are. And there's a great principle there that things have changed. As we're following after Christ, we have to get to where the people are. There is no commandment in the Bible that commands lucky sinners to come to church. But we have several different commandments, including what is called the Great Commission, for us to go. We are to go to where the sinners are. We are to go find out where they're at. We're supposed to go to where the people are and to go reach them. That's one of the wonderful things that is occurring during our current time, our current events, is that the church of God is not in these four walls. It is an assembly together. But the work of God is not contained within these four walls. The work of God is going out to the people. To where they are. And that's what has to be happen. There is a scattering effect. That we have to go to them. And bring them to the Lord. And so if you don't mind. As we continue to talk about this fulfilling. And we can see that the message is there to repent. To preach. That the gospel of 
of the kingdom of God. Notice, if you don't mind, as we look at Jesus' message, as we're still seeing the fulfilling, we can see that there was a couple elements in his message here. That the time was fulfilled, that, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Notice there's a couple elements in this simple message that Jesus was preaching. First of all, there was a prophetic element. There was a prophetic element. What do I mean by this? Well, it had been 400 years since God had last spoken to anyone. Malachi had occurred over 400 years ago. There was a 400 years of silence. And the people had been waiting for God to speak once again. And as soon as Jesus did, God had spoken again. The 400 years of waiting is over. But that's not the only prophetic event. You understand that the first promise of a redeemer, the first promise of a savior, the first promise of a Messiah had been given at this time 4,000 years ago. In this time that is recorded here. People had been waiting 4,000 years for their Messiah to be here. And guess what? The time is fulfilled. The people don't have to wait for Christ anymore. He is there. They don't have to wait for God to speak anymore. He is there. Jesus is coming saying, the time is fulfilled. The time that you've been waiting for is here. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the promised one. Jesus the great prophet. Jesus the Lamb of God is here. The time was fulfilled. There was a prophetic element to his message. Not only that, there was a predominant element to his message. A predominant element to his message. What do I mean by that? Well, notice what he's saying. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is what God is accomplishing here on this earth. What God is accomplishing here on this earth. Now, in Jesus' day, the people had a misunderstanding of what Jesus was trying to do at that time. Even his disciples had a misunderstanding all the way up to the time that Jesus ascended up. The people had in mind the prophecies that God had given concerning the Israel people that Jesus was going to come and fulfill what we now call the millennial kingdom. But to the Hebrew people at this time, what they were expecting Christ to do is Jesus to come down from heaven, Jesus to be the anointed one, and immediately destroy the Romans, to set up Israel as a brand new government, and to go ahead and allow everyone to come to Jerusalem and to worship God. And they were going to set up everything. Jerusalem would be the new capital of the world, and the Hebrew people would come together to Christ. But you understand That's not what was meant to happen there. But the kingdom of God was at hand. What is the kingdom of God? As I defined it before, it is what God is accomplishing on this earth. What is God trying to accomplish on this earth? Well, we know that when Jesus Christ came to die on the cross, he died to pay the price for every sin. He paid the price for every sinner. Jesus paid the price with his blood. He died on the cross. He was buried on a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, Jesus rose again. And Jesus had 
done what he came to do the first time. But his work was not finished. Jesus wanted every single person to come to know Jesus as personal Savior. The book of 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness. But he's long-suffering towards us, word, not willing that any shall perish, but all shall come to repentance. The gospel record of Luke marks Jesus' mission like this. That the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You understand what God's mission here on this earth is? It still hasn't changed. It's what God's wanted to accomplish. He's, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to know Jesus as their Savior. And so when Jesus ascended up to heaven, He sent His Holy Spirit down for us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants us to continue to accomplish what God has set forth on this earth. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. God wants to get something accomplished here on this earth. And that is his main purpose. Let me tell you, his main purpose is not to feed the homeless. Even though that's a good cause. Jesus' main purpose is not to make people's living conditions better. Jesus' main purpose is not to bring social change. The main purpose of Jesus has been and always will be to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his main message. That was the predominant feature. The kingdom of God is at hand. God is doing something here on this earth now. And that is to see people come to know Christ as their Savior. And that's exactly what needs to be fulfilled during our time here. Is to carry on that same mission of what God is trying to do on this earth right now. So in Jesus' message, it had three parts. It had a prophetic element. It had a predominant element. It also had a practical element. A practical element, meaning something that's achievable, something that's doable. What is it? The time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. What is the practical element? Now, Jesus had a message and it's always been one message. Repent ye and believe the gospel. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You want to know what God's trying to do on this earth right now? What is God doing in our time right now? It's still the same. He still wants to do something here on earth. He wants to have the kingdom of God established. And what is the practicality? What is the practical thing that he wants? He wants people to repent and believe the gospel. That is his mission here on earth. While he's in heaven and the Holy Spirit is down here indwelling in every believer, his goal is still the same. He wants people to repent and believe. That was the message for every person. That is the message that we are to carry out now. Is for people to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. To repent of their sins. And turn to a living Savior. To repent of their sins. That they're a sinner. And they deserve hell. That they owe God a great price. 
But there's a great Savior who's willing to forgive them of everything. The people need to know. They need to be told. And so with that, we can see how Jesus is equipping to keep the kingdom of God functioning and moving forward with his same purpose. The second thing I want to show you is the fishers. The fishers. Notice, if you don't mind, the fishers. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse 16. Now, as he, that's Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, as Jesus began to uh, carry out his plan of the kingdom of God, he also had to gather workers, laborers, to continue on. And he started with Andrew and Peter. Now, we know that according to the gospel record of John, Jesus already had an encounter with these. Andrew, he has already met, and, accept, and Andrew's accepted Christ as his Savior. Later on, Andrew brought Jesus to his brother, Peter. And Peter began to know Christ as his Savior. So they've already had an interaction. But here in the gospel record of Mark... Mark, the writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to get to Peter as quickly as possible. Let's skip all of this. Let's get to the story of Peter and Jesus. Remember, the gospel record of Mark is written through the perspective of Peter. And so Peter's, uh, as he's counseling and working with Mark, he says, let's start from when I met Jesus. Let's start with this story here. And so Jesus meets Peter. He meets Andrew, they're out fishing. They're, uh, they were out fishing. Notice with me, if you don't mind, verse 17. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you fishers of men. What a simple message. I want you to follow after me, and I will make you fishers of men. That was simple. Notice what, he, what their requirement was. Their requirement was to come after him. That was their responsibility. As they came after him, as they followed him, Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men. We don't make ourselves soul winners. Our job is to follow after Christ. As we follow after Christ, he will make us fishers of men. That's a promise. It is God's job to make us fishers of men. So let me lay some clear logic that the Bible backs up. If you are not a soul winner, if you're not a fisher of men, then you are not following Christ. Because if you are following Christ, he will make you a fisher of men. That's something that God's job is to do, is to make us. Our responsibility is to follow after him. That's quite simple. To follow after him. And he will do the making. He will make us. So he looked at Andrew. And he looked at Peter. And he said follow after me. You guys have spent all of your life fishing for fish. But I want you to teach. I want to make you where you're fishers of men. When you fish for fish. You captured them so they could die. Isn't that what happens when you go fishing? Here fishy fishy fishy. And it gets in the boat. And you don't keep it to live. You don't make it a pet. They were selling the fish so they would die and people would eat them. But God's, through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ says, listen, I want to do something different in your life. I want you to take dead men and bring them to me and they'll become alive again. I want to change the way you're doing things. Follow after me. 
I want you to think about just the history of this. At this time, John the Baptist has been the main forerunner of Christ. Remember, that's the beginning of the gospel. And as far as we understand, according to the gospel record of John, that Andrew and Peter and James and John had went to hear John the Baptist preach. At this time, Jesus had done no public uh, miracles. He had not performed a miracle yet. And so when Jesus said, follow me, and verse 18, and straightway, that means immediately, they forsook their nets and followed him. You know, he, they chose to follow after Christ based off of a word of a preacher. Not because of a miracle that was done by Jesus. But they did it because of a preacher say, that's who you need to follow. And they said, okay. And when Jesus came to them and said, follow me, they said, let's do it. Think about that. They didn't need a miracle. Jesus hadn't performed any fancy miracles. All they needed was Jesus to say, follow me. And they were prepared by a preacher for when Jesus said, follow me. And it says straightway, immediately, they forsook their nets. When they forsook the nets, they forsook their boats. When they forsook their notes, boats and the nets, they forsook their fishing business. They forsook all they had. They quit their business. They got rid of everything and immediately followed Jesus with, a, with the idea that they were going to do this for the rest of their life. There was no backup plan. They got rid of plan B. There was only plan A or nothing. Following after Christ and letting him make them into fishers of men. But there's a third thing I'd like to show you in this account. That first of all we see the fulfilling. The fulfilling that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the prophecy. He came to fulfill everything that was said. And he had one goal. And that was to help establish the kingdom of God. To work with what God is doing here on this earth. And what is God doing on this earth now? That he's not willing that any shall perish but all shall come to repentance. In order to do that he had to go find some fishers. And he said follow me. And these fishers left fishing for fish. And they became fishers of men. But there's one other element I want to show you here, and that's the father. The father. Notice, if you don't mind, as he got through talking to Andrew and Peter, notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 19. And when he, that's Jesus, had gone a little further thence, so he just went just a little bit further, the next biz, uh, business over, the next fishing business over was James and John. And he said, when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the ship, mending their nets. So Jesus came to another two men, James and John. And he asked the same thing from these two men, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. James and John, what a great study in contrast. Think about James he was the first apostolic martyr. He was the first one to be martyred, to be killed for following after Christ. And John, the last apostolic prophet. He was the last one to live. John was the first, or James was the first one to die. John was the last one to die. James would show us how to die for Christ. John would show us how to live for Christ. In the two brothers, you see this study. 
Jesus later on would name them the sons of thunder. These preachers here. But I want you to see that there's another person in this story here. You have James and John. Jesus comes by and says, James, John, follow me. And they both look over to the other person helping mend the nets. And that would be their father, Zebedee. Zebedee was there. And they look to their father. And they say, Jesus asked us to follow. And you know what Zebedee did? He gave their permission. He said, go follow them. You know what Zebedee wanted most for his two sons? To follow God's will. Praise the Lord for that. That Zebedee did nothing to stop them. He did nothing to hinder them from following after God. Zebedee wanted his sons to follow God's will. Oh, praise the Lord for a godly father like this. A godly father who says, the greatest thing my kids can do is follow God's will. There's been recent studies, and I've got books on my shelf that discuss this, that the number one thing that keeps preachers from being called, the number one thing that keeps missionaries from being sent out, is parents. Good parents. Parents who show up to churches like this, who hinder their kids from following after God. Maybe it's a mother who has the apron strings a little bit too tight. And she raises her kids to be dependent upon her. And they, she raises them so they have to need mama. And they can't do anything unless mama says. And I have to go ask mama's permission. And next thing you know they're married. And they still have to ask mama what mama wants me to do. And mama never raised them to release them. And that's what we're supposed to do with children. Because they're not our kids. They're God's kids on loan to us. And we're judged on how well we train and raise our kids to follow after Christ. Maybe it's a father. Maybe it's a father who shows up to church. And maybe it's just one of those things that I do on Sundays. Maybe it's just something that we do just because we believe God's real, but we don't want to get too real about it. And his dream is that his son would follow him in the business. Maybe his dream is that his son would make a lot of money and take care of him. Maybe his dream is just to let the son just kind of... Take care of himself. But you understand, Zebedee raised his kids to follow God's will. You see, they didn't have career day back then. They had will of God day. What does God want you to do for your life? What is it that God has for you in your life? God has a purpose for every single one of you. For James and John, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Zebedee says, if that's God's will, that's what I want you to do. Don't you think that Zebedee wanted, if in his own flesh, wanted James and John to continue in the business? They had their own business together. Every day, Zebedee worked with his two boys. Every day, they were out fishing. Every day, they ran the business together. But you understand, he says, I know my business is going to suffer. I know things that may get hard, but I'd rather get hard as long as you follow God. And his daddy there, was a good godly daddy who said, listen, the will of God is the most important thing to do. Let me tell you, parents, the most important thing you could do in raising your kids is to teach them that to follow God's will, no matter what it is, is the most important thing in their life. The most important thing. Why are we discussing this? 
Because we understand, first of all, the principle, God is trying to do something here on this earth right now. We understand there's a principle here that Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That if you follow after Christ, God will make you a fisher of men because that's what God is trying to get accomplished here on this earth for people to repent and believe the gospel. In order for that to happen, we need people, pastors, parents, encouraging boys and girls, adults, the greatest thing for you to do is to follow God's will in your life. Some people say, well, I'll follow God after college. Well, I'll follow God when I get through retiring. I'll follow God when things get easier. Let me tell you, tomorrow will never come. You always have an excuse. The greatest thing for you to do today is to follow God's will. Some of you may be making the mistake is that you're going to hold up right now. I'm going to stay at home and quarantine. And we understand you need to be obedient. But just because you may be physically distanced doesn't mean that you have to be socially distanced. You could still pick up a phone. You could still text. You could still use your Facebook. You could still use something. You could still contact people. I had a gentleman years ago who said, I don't have the physical health pastor to go door knocking. But what I can do is I could write out my testimony and handwrite it out and I can mail it in the mail. I'm going to take a phone book and I'm just going to hit address after address after address. And I said, praise the Lord for that. In recent years, we had a lady who heard that testimony and she did the same thing. Praise the Lord. You could still do something right now because the work of God is still going on. God's plan is still the same. That he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And now is a time like no other. Now is a time as we follow God's will, he will open up doors If you allow him, if you surrender to him, if you allow him to follow after you, he will open up doors. If you say, God, what would you have me to do? You could still witness to people. You could still be a blessing to people. You could still outreach to people. God still wants to do something here and now. So where do we start? Well, you have to start off by saying, God, what is your will? You have to determine to follow God's will. We understand not everyone wants to follow God's will. There are many people right now who say, I don't care what God says. I want to do my own thing. If it's convenient to me, I might think about it. But God's not concerned about your convenience. He wants to know if you're willing to obey. Is the will of God the best? Some people say, well, I'm not much of a a fisher of men. Well, that's fine. God will make you a fisherman. Your job is to follow him. If you're not following him, he will not make you a fisherman. If you're not follow, a fisherman, it's evidence that you're not following after him. But God is trying to do a work. And God wants to use you. And so the question I have for tonight is, are you surrendered? If Jesus says, right now, I've got something for you to do, would you be willing to forsake all and follow after him? Would you be willing to follow after him even if it's inconvenient? Would you be willing to follow after him even if it takes time? You understand God wants to get something accomplished in this time right now. And he wants to use you.
to do it. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three oh six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.